So maybe first I would like to ask you how you'd like to define who you are for maybe people first time listening to you. I'd like to define yourself. Sure, yeah. I'm a here uh, associate professor at the mechanical and aerospace engineering department at UCSD. Great. So maybe uh, since you work in soft robotics and I see that you work in very different topics in soft robotics field, can you give us perspective about your lab, what are maybe the problem you're trying to solve in your lab and why particularly this direction you focus on? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm by trained a uh, solid mechanician. So our interest are mainly two things. One is uh, interesting material. Another is interesting structures or geometries. So our lab also have this interest in materials and structures. Therefore, we try to develop interesting materials and interesting structures for soft robotics. We focus on structural design and materials development for soft robotics. Mm, great. That's very interesting. Maybe I want to ask you the first question about the material and architecture here or structure. When you try to design the new perspective on soft robotics, for example, clearly we need material and sometimes we need this geometry, but which one it's quite interesting to you, maybe. Uh, in, in terms of materials, right? Yes, material or architecture. Which one is interesting to achieve what you try to do? Of course, it depends, yeah. but which one is more interesting to you? The material both. or architecture? Mm -hmm. Both, both. Yeah, so I think we can see more and more many unique and novel properties are enabled by a combination of interesting materials and carefully designed geometry. It probably cannot be achieved by single, by simple geometry design or material design. Some such a combination provide uh, many new opportunities. Mm -hmm. And maybe it to the question because I'm asking about maybe designing the material. For example, you care about fatigue and the material, soft material. Do you think it's too always important to design soft and tough material? For example, in maybe yeah. first question. Is it really important or depends on application in general? Do you think this is a nature of soft material to be soft and tough or dependent application? I think in general it is important for most, most applications, unless in some very, very rare cases, <laughs> you may want to brittle material. But uh, in, in most cases, you do want tough and soft materials for soft robotics, right? So to be more uh, mechanically durable, etc. But uh, on our, in our lab, uh, we apparently care about soft and uh, tough material, but we also have a lot of interest in developing actuation material or even sensing material, etc. right? So not only passive material, but also active ones, which mm. can respond to uh, various stimuli. Mm -hmm. Maybe I want to ask you in that case because I'm asking about soft and tough, mater tough material here because maybe we can achieve that through the material level or maybe architecture using different material to do this trick in, in upper level. So what do you see the difference if we embed the toughness, for example, as a nature at the material level or just using different material to increase the toughness, for example? Which one do you think difference here? So we, uh, in my lab, uh, we haven't worked a lot on the, along this direction. I see you have an interview with uh, my PhD advisor, Professor Ji Gang Su, right? Yeah. He 
provide a lot of uh, excellent examples uh, and uh, uh, ideas along this direction. But uh, personally, I think it really depends on applications. Can be you kind of uh, enhance the toughness or other mechanical properties or fatigue properties, etc., through materials level, right? Molecular level design. Or you can base on existing material through uh, geometry design to achieve high toughness or other desirable mechanical performance, right? Both are okay. So I, it's very hard to say which one is better than another. It really uh, depends on specific applications you care about, mm -hmm. right? I think Jigong uh, gave an example. So you can use a lattice material to achieve good toughness and uh, 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 fatigue properties, for example. But uh, if you use lattice material, you have a lot of pores, then it cannot hold liquid, for example. If in some applications that is important, then through lattice geometry design is not, ap is not an option anymore. But it's in other cases, maybe that is a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Maybe in that case, because maybe we care about what other maybe sh geometry or shape we can use in the material that can give an advantage. For example, maybe like intelligent, physical intelligence. We can achieve maybe physical intelligence through passive material using different material in a certain structure. Or of course we have active material. But when you think about interesting example of geometry, that maybe lead us to, yeah, we don't have to use more sensing, maybe less actuation. How do you see the perspective or direction here if we speak about geometry that can really, yeah, let us uh, more focused on just intelligence in a structure at least using sensing computation? Do you think it's relevant or does it make sense? No, I think it, make, it, it is def definitely relevant. Uh, there are a lot of uh, examples along this line, right? People using geometry, just a routine material, but a geometry to achieve uh, this mechanical logical gate. For example, that is an uh, excellent example, right? So if you want to do some uh, mechanical computation, which is part of intelligence, you can purely through geometry design, right? So uh, utilizing the biostability, for example, to achieve simple mechanical logical gate. That can be a simple element right for the toward the uh, physics based or material based intelligence mm -hmm. so maybe before going to maybe the problem in your lab because you have many examples here maybe i want to ask you what maybe the question maybe in soft robotics you think is not really touch it so far or maybe not ask it in the robotics soft robotics community what kind of questions still not asked maybe yeah so i think a one a, a question we have to ask ourselves as a, a, a researcher working in this area is uh, what are the real impact the soft robotics indeed can generate, right? So what kind of impact, uh, society impact soft robotics can really generate? There have been so many demonstrations, so many development along the fabrication, materials, uh, etc., and control, but uh, can we, further push the frontier of this field to make to, to, to let it make real society impact right I think that question people begin to think about this question and try to propose different ideas but I guess this question or this this question should be asked 
again and again to ourselves, right? What can we really do to generate broad society impact? What problem can be uniquely resolved, solved by software robotics, mm-hmm. right? There are a lot of uh, prototype demonstration, but can we push it further? That's a very good question, or maybe point here, but why do you think it's not to really, really touch it deeply? Is this intellectual constraint or what is missing here so that we can push what we do a real impact? Since some of work may be fundamental, some work, yeah, cool, but as you mentioned, what is the impact? What's constraint here? What is the constraint here? Oh, I think the answer is quite simple. It's mm. really because of just time. It's really just because of time. The soft robotic field is still quite uh, uh, like a, a newly recently emerging field, right? People in the past, people have been uh, working a lot on materials development, manufacturing, or, or standardize the, pro- the protocols of making structures. A lot of detailed technical problems need to be addressed. A lot of fundamental problems have been addressed, or there are also a lot of new fundamental problems waiting to be addressed. Right, so uh, it's really because of time. So when we develop more and more this uh, technique, have more and more ideas about this, and uh, uh, and more and more people know about this field, such kind of a collaboration between different fields will enable uh, us to create idea generate more like broader society impact is really because of time. Just take a longer time. And of course, collaboration is important. We need to cross the board, right? Talk to people from other fields, biomedical fields, environmental scientists, uh, agriculture researchers, so on and so forth, right? We try to talk to those people and find the real needs of soft robotics and the benefit that software robotics can provide to those fields. I, I think this point is really excellent, what you mentioned here about the time. And I want to ask you if you think maybe some aspects of research in software robotics field is, is useless. It doesn't make sense to you. I, I, yeah, it's cool, but, but why we invest time and resources in that direction? Do you disagree with, with some aspect <laughs> in the field? No, it's a hard question for me. I don't think... Um, I think all the research uh, is undergoing uh, is uh, even if you don't see immediate effect or impact on some of the research other people do in their lab, including ourselves done in our lab, right? You say uh, you don't see immediate effect or, or impact. I would not call it useless, right? Because uh, uh, sometimes you don't know. Uh, some knowledge being accumulated, some technology being developed in this field, which finally may not directly impact software robotics field directly, but it may generate some influence, impact beyond software robotics, though those techniques, materials, was initially developed for software robotics, but Mm. it may generate some uh, influence or impact beyond software robotics. I agree with you, but I think maybe I have to frame my question, I think, a better way, not to using useless maybe, because yeah, it could be fun and, and cool, but maybe my question is, 
I think there's two, maybe you can correct me if you see the field, for, for example, certain application, like you do application, and there's other aspect more fundamental. You deep like vertical in the problem, it just deep dive, and there's other aspect, we do something which is cool to be presentable, and I think that's, maybe I'm wrong, but you can correct me, there's two approaches, just go for demonstration, or go to, or in fundamentally understanding, like example of geometry and using uh, leveraging material and geometry. I think it's not easy. Maybe I'm wrong, but how do you see the two approaches, like vertical and horizontal approaches to do something as a proposal field? I got a point. I, I got a point. I think both are very important. Both are very important. At a certain point, uh, these two approach has to emerge, right? Talk to each other and influence each other, right? So uh, on one hand, uh, if I uh, dig deep into the fundamental problems in terms of geometry or materials. So some inspiration or motivation have to come from the broad applications, right? It's, it's hard to think about the fundamental problems from nowhere, right? The one resources for us to study fundamental problems regarding nearly all the subject or most subject is from applications, mm. right? This is on the one hand, right? This is providing inspirations. Right, so we get inspirations for the people who study fundamental problems. Get inspirations or be inspired by these broad applications. But on the other hand, for people exploring broad applications, prototype demonstrations, proof of concept demonstrations, those researchers need to be benefit, may benefit from the studies on more on these fundamental aspects need to integrate right this uh, frontier knowledge or this, uh, the newest understanding along this fundamental side to integrate those study to real demonstrations. I think these two are not exclusive to each other. Instead, they, they really kind of interwined with each other. Uh, that is my uh, perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe a follow-up question here, since you mentioned maybe the way we think about what we do has really impact. In your lab, for example, maybe starting, do you first approach like the, what's the problem or just have a problem and just develop a solution or go more and let's do fundamental work or both of them? And yeah, I think that's maybe related to what you try to say about really impact here, yeah. Yeah, uh, good question. I think we do both. We adopt both approach. So the, the main driving force here is uh, our own interest. And uh, the, the interest can come from, oh, I can identify a very interesting fundamental problems, right? So for example, uh, we have uh, worked a lot on this specific material called the liquid crystal elastomer, which is an actuating material, right? And uh, we use this material to develop a lot of uh, um, structures for proof prototype design, etc. But when we realize this material can be very brittle at high temperature, uh, right? So this, this material is actuated by increasing temperature. And we realize sometimes the material can be self-ruptured when the temperature is high. So when we hold the material, constraints deformation, but increase the temperature, the material can be self-ruptured by its own actuation stress. And then we realize this material is brittle, right? 
then the brittle, uh, this material is an actual aging material, like a muscle for software robotics. The muscle needs to be tough enough, otherwise the muscle will be broken. Then this is a fundamental problem, right? So the material is brittle, therefore then a immediately formed research question is for us is how to make it tougher, how to make it tougher. This is a relatively fundamental question, but we, we work on that. We developed polymer network, interpenetrating polymer network, and we, we find that both durability or fatigue properties and fracture toughness can got uh, significantly enhanced. Mm. So you can see this is one example we worked in the lab. We identified a fundamental problem and we resolve it, right? And on the other hand, if we see there is a, there is a need in order to address a real problem, that can also be our interest, can also be our a motivation. As another example, we developed a, a tensegrity robotics. So this is a tensegrity geometry, right? very special geometry. Uh, the, the motivation behind that is because for soft robotics, one, one of the bottlenecks in, uh, is uh, uh, low load carrying capability because it's soft, right? Once it's soft, the load carrying capability can be low. Right, it's kind of a, a very uh, simple idea. Then the question for us is, can we develop a soft robotics, which is still very deformable, but it has good high load carrying capability. Mm. Then because of this, this is a kind of a really uh, a, a product problem driven, right? So then we de developed, designed this tensegrity robot, which can carry 10 times of, of its own weight, and it can still move around without uh, affecting its locomotion capability. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Maybe related to that, because I think it's a very interesting example about the integrity in your lab. Maybe I want to skip the design of the material and the structure, the, the process. I mean, you start to design. This is a problem. How you go for selection of the material or advancing the material, and then what is the right geometric? Can you tell us about the process, how you do the design? both in material and maybe structure. And before going to design also, because you have also an inspiration in your lab, like the material or structure, do you also look for inspiration uh, for an example nature? You have a weird example maybe we don't know about that you can share also. Oh, definitely, definitely. Well, I love bio-inspiration, right? So uh, it's really just kind of admire. We admire this beauty, elegance, and intelligence of the nature. So we got a lot of inspiration from nature. One example is uh, uh, still using this liquid crystal elastomer to make a, a soft robot with this jumping capability or fast motion. So this is uh, for soft robotics uh, this and a soft muscle, right? Some of them, uh, the power is not very high. Uh, in some cases, however, you want fast motion, right? That's not very easy because uh, the, the power is low and how to achieve fast motion. Mm. So to answer this question, sometimes you do need fast motion for soft robotics, right? Not only like slow crawling. To answer this question, we indeed get a lot of inspiration from nature. There is a, a for many worms, actually they move very slowly. Right. For example, there we use example is a type of uh, fruit lava. There's a 
fruit fly is larva. Yeah. This is kind of a little bit of a small, soft animal, right? It's a larva, it's a worm. It can crawl very slowly. But when it wants to jump over a gap or a barrier, what it, what it does is it bends itself to a circle and uh, the, the, the head and tail is uh, hooked and they gradually stretch its muscle. So this process is the muscle is gradually stretched. The energy, the elastic energy is gradually built up in the body. That process is very slow, but the energy will be accumulated, accumulated in the body. And suddenly the hook is open and the energy, the stored energy can be released suddenly. So then this larva will jump over a barrier. So you can see this uh, if you uh, from the videos or if you sometimes you can see it in every life. This little worm can also jump, right? That is a power amplification process. S slowly accumulate energy. It can be as slow as you want, but when you release it, it's very rapid. So the energy is conserved, but the time is greatly shortened. Therefore, the power can be greatly amplified to achieve faster motion or even jump. So we exactly uh, replicate such energy uh, power amplification process in our designed geometry. So we use a little uh, piece of uh, rubber which can actuate it when you apply a stimuli, but the actuation is very slow. But gradually, uh, we make this material to store energy using a simple magnetic latch design and it uh, uh, the latch suddenly open and the energy released to enable this jumping. So bioinspiration is one of our favorite approach. Mm -hmm. And when you try to replicate that, for example, if you have, can you relate to one example of the problem you try to solve in the lab, the design of the material and structure how you go get from this part of inspiration to actual design? If you have a certain like procedures in related to your lab, I don't know, or the way of solving that, uh, how you, yeah. yeah. A good question. We don't have a very standardized, standardized uh, uh, protocol or approach to follow. So just follow this approach and uh, 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 provide input and follow the approach, you'll get the output. So we don't have a standardized way to uh, to design a specific structure. So uh, uh, we approach is quite diverse. Sometimes just intuitively design. Sometimes get directly get inspiration from nature, uh, or get inspiration from by other uh, people's work uh, in this field or all sizes field. So yeah, there's no um, a standardized approach for us to design specific structures. Mm -hmm. But of course, when we have the idea, we may use some numerical modeling, analytical analysis to further uh, optimize the design, to improve the design. But uh, the original design have a, a very diverse, the original design have very diverse uh, uh, inspirations and resources. Mm -hmm. Do you have an example, maybe counterintuitive, uh, you can share maybe example in nature with like how this happening and how we can do that 
or maybe something in the lab. Sometimes we do some work and just like how this is happening. It's surprising and counterintuitive to maybe what we used to do. Do you have any examples you can share? Yeah, counterintuitive. I think that is uh, uh, really depends on person, right? Uh, so one idea uh, I, I would like to share is uh, also a bio-inspired uh, design. I think it's quite interesting to me, uh, which is uh, uh, one topic we worked a lot is the soft actual aging material, uh, which means when you apply a certain stimuli, the material can contract or can uh, generate mechanical work. Just like our, just like a muscle, right? Uh, uh, and for many, many of this actual eating material, the stimuli is heat. You 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 heat it up, the material will contract, and you cool down, the material will uh, recover back, right? And you can do cyclic heating and cooling. So heating is is excellent, but it's not very easy to use uh, for really robotic control. And more importantly, uh, the heating take time, which uh, will result very slow response of the material. So re uh, compared to heating, the cooling is even more challenging. When you heat up a material to from room temperature to 80 degrees C also, uh, you can you can uh, use uh, various, various ways of heat it up. Sometimes we bury heating wells inside. Sometimes we use uh, a heating chamber or we use light to heat it, right? There are many ways and uh, you do have a way to make the heating to speed to be fast. But the cooling down, the approach of cooling down is really limited, is really limited. For example, if you have a muscle uh, material of a centimeter size, and if you want to cool it down from 80 degree to room temperature, it probably take like two to three minutes. That is very slow. How to address that problem, right? So there's not too much method to, to, to cool down a structure uh, actively. So then we look at real muscles in animals. So if you look at real muscle, the muscle also need to receive nutrients from blood vessel, oxygen and another nutrient, energy and another nutrient from the blood. And also the muscle will uh, produce waste, which need to be taken away by the blood, right? And this process is also a diffusion process. It's not better than thermal diffusion at all. It's also a diffusion process, but animal muscle can act much faster. One key reason is because uh, one key reason is because the biology is highly vascular. There are many, many blood vessels, capillaries interwinged with the with the muscle, and it is known every single cell, majority, ninety percent of the body, the cell can find its nearest blood vessel within ten micron. Highly vascular. So inspired by this design, we also drill channels, fluidic channels inside our material. Then we can, uh, the problem is resolved very nicely. We pump in hot fluid to heat it up and we pump cool water to cool it down. So it can 
work, uh, it can have very fast actuation, much improved actuation speed, put it this way. So uh, to address this problem, it's also a bio-inspired approach to address uh, 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 this kind of limitation of soft actuating material. Since you ask me uh, counterintuitive, right? This is not necessarily counterintuitive, but I'll give you another example. Uh, not sure if it's called counterintuitive or not. So uh, it's a very recent work. Uh, muscle, right? So in this field for soft robotics, this actuating element, of course, is important because it's a soft robot we usually, usually make soft actuator, right? And another name of soft actuator is uh, artificial muscle. So soft robotics is almost equivalent to artificial muscle. It depends on person. Someone called artificial muscle, some others may call it soft actuator. Essentially, they mean the same thing. Artificial muscle really means this is a material to replicate the muscle, right? But if you really look at a muscle, after we studying this biological work, we realize that muscle is more than an actuator. Muscle, the, the role of muscle is not only an actuator. Actuator, of course, is one of the primary function of muscle, but a muscle can behave like a brain. Dissipate energy rather than output energy. Muscle can behave like a brain, store energy, and release it. So muscle is more than an actuator. So the idea we have, I have is artificial muscle shouldn't be equivalent to soft actuator. Artificial muscle should have the performance like an actuator or like a brake or like a nonlinear spring. So recently we have developed this also using very simple uh, idea. This is a liquid crystal elastomer. This material, when you apply voltage, when you uh, heat it up, it can contract. Then we coat this thin film of liquid crystal elastomer by a, a very a thin metal coating. Then when you apply voltage to this, to this gold film, jaw heating will heat up the material the film underneath the material contract by controlling the moment that you send the voltage pulse to heat up the gold film. We can show that this structure can behave like an actuator output mechanical work. This structure can also dissipate a lot of energy like a brake or this structure can behave like a nonlinear spring with the desired feature. So this is uh, at least is a little bit counterintuitive to us. Muscle is more than an actuator. Muscle is more than an actuator. When it uh, 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 kind of uh, uh, govern or affect the uh, activities of animal. This is really excellent, boy. Maybe you are maybe one of first people I just hear that you speak about the how we you view artificial muscle. Maybe I'll ask you in that case, you mentioned about instability as well in, in research as well. So, but before going to instability, because you mentioned we shouldn't uh, equalize artificial muscle as a soft actuator, right? Is that, is that what you mean? 
Uh, maybe people, I don't know if there is disagreement with that, but I, s I think after you explain, I think it makes sense that the definition we have should be more in detail, like what you mentioned here. But do you think, for example, in, uh, in the material you develop, for example, active material with the artificial muscle, artificial muscle could be passive, could be active, depending on what kind of material. How do you see the, the component of adding like active material to artificial muscle? Do you think we can have artificial muscle that work at a break and also dissipation for energy based on the passive material and certain geometry or should be active material? I don't know if that yeah. makes sense or not. Sure, yeah, definitely. So uh, two points here. One is uh, in, in animal, so the performance of the muscle is mainly dictated by the neuron signal. So the neuron which determines the muscle behave like a actuator, outputting the mechanical work, or the muscle should will behave like a brake, dissipate a lot of energy rather than output energy, or like a spring. So neuron signal dictate the main performance of the muscle. This is one. Second is if you look at the muscle, you are absolutely correct. Muscle usually work combined together with a passive material. Uh, it's not by its own. For example, if you look at uh, the, the skeletal muscle, usually um, on two ends of the muscle, you have a tendon. Mm -hmm. Right, The muscle connect to the bone through a tendon. Tendon is a passive material. It cannot generate any actuation. Right, but tendon is highly uh, resilient, strong, and have a very uh, uh, low dissipation. So the tendon, the existence of tendon can enhance the energy efficiency of the entire actuation system. So it's quite important, though it's passive, by adding the passive component to this actuating part, you can make the system have a higher energy efficiency or alter the dynamics, right? That is also commonly seen in animal. Yeah, great. Maybe since it goes then to have a few questions, the first one about the instabilities and maybe also since you also you care about understanding the mechanics of material like fatigue, fracture here, do you think this example in material mechanics very challenging? Of course, we have numerical techniques, we, we can solve this problem, but sometimes you can't understand what's happening here in the structure. Do you have an example maybe very rich in mechanics and was not easy to understand what's happening here in this structure? Yeah, so for mechanical instability, it is also, uh, it's a very traditional field in, in, in mechanics. Uh, but on the other hand, because of the development of the new materials, right, the emergence of many interesting materials, especially soft materials, uh, many new mechanical instability phenomena has been discovered and studied in recent years. So uh, uh, traditionally mechanical instability is viewed, is often regarded as a failure point of a structure or a material. When we design a structure, we want to get rid of it. We want to avoid it. But recently, people have the idea, many, many groups, excellent group, uh, try to develop or try to harness the mechanical instability instabilities to achieve uh, novel 
performance or behaviors which otherwise cannot be easily achieved, right? For example, I, uh, uh, the group from uh, uh, the Harvard group, Katia Bertoli, they developed, uh, they make use of this biostability to achieve fast motion, this, uh, this uh, jumping, right? And uh, yeah, the, the, the group from MIT, the Professor Xuan He Zhao, right, is uh, uh, also uh, making use of the mechanical instability to achieve uh, a morphological change, uh, a camouflage applications or, or anti-falling anti applications, etc. So nowadays, it's, it's this mechanical instability become very interesting. It's really not because of it's only associated with a failure, but it may also provide novel functionalities. Especially uh, when the soft materials are involved, the deformation become can be large, and uh, uh, for an active material, not only mechanics, right? Mechanical field is involved. Sometimes chemistry can be involved. Involved, electric field is involved, or, or other field can be involved. Then which make this multi-field coupling, and this nonlinearity associated with large deformation makes this instability become very rich phenomena. Challenging, but very rich, right? So we, we talked about this uh, electromechanical instability. It is a dielectric elastomer example. That is an example, right? That instability is indeed caused by this coupling effect between electricity. When electricity meets mechanics, especially meets large deformation. Right, the two components. So uh, this instability is uh, uh, appears due to the uh, intersection of these two. Right, multi-field coupling, nonlinearity play a very important role here of generating a very rich phenomenon related to related to instability. And apparently, instability is also often. Uh, cause large deformation, sometimes local, sometimes sometimes localized large deformation, sometimes it's not necessarily localized, but it's still large deformation. Then, which will further require enhance, uh, the, it require the soft materials with enhanced mechanical properties, right? Mm. You do not want this material to fatigue, to be fatigued or, fract or even fractured when um, the, this undergoing instability except for several times, right? Because some instability indeed will cause localized large deformation, right? You want the deformation is totally reversible, no damage left. Maybe on the skew, what other features do you think in soft material maybe still missing? Or maybe from your perspective, you wish to add features, other features in soft material you develop? Yeah. So still, uh, our lab has uh, uh, made a lot of efforts in making this active material, mainly for actuation purpose, but uh, 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 some of them are for sensing. But now I think there is a clear uh, need of developing even better actuating materials mm. for uh, the applications of soft robotics. Because uh, now, uh, though uh, others and including ourselves claim this developed soft, soft actuating material 
have better performance or comparable performance or even better performance than real animal muscles. But if you make a comprehensive comparison, if you include all the performance metric, power density, energy efficiency, actuation strength, stress, etc., there's no single material can compete with animal muscle or it's still far below natural muscle. Mm-hmm. Uh, that limit, that great limit, the capability of soft robotics, right? So one inspiration of soft robotics is from soft body the animal, right? So one dream is, uh, is uh, for soft robotics people, at least for me is uh, can we make a soft robot which uh, has a capability comparable to even the simplest soft-bodied animal, right? Even mm. the simplest soft-bodied animal. But I think now we cannot. So we probably can achieve some of the feature, but not all, for sure. One limitation is this actuation part. It's not necessarily the only limitation, but this is one of them, right? Intelligence, you mentioned, that is another, right? Um, can we? make a better soft actuating material which has a comparable performance as animal muscles, right? So this is a very open question. And uh, uh, I believe there are still a lot of opportunities. We're not there yet. Mm-hmm. Great. Maybe I'll ask you, I mean, I mean, this is maybe a futuristic question. Do you think we can design material that maybe never damaged? And how do you see sensing could be Less, with less sensing, you can achieve intelligence. Yeah, for never damage, I think there's a, a, a new, con- not, a, not necessarily a new concept, it's a concept called self-healing material, right? So this material can, can uh, detect the damage itself and can be self-healed timely. Then with that regard, then probably you can view this material will be never damaged because once it's damaged, it's it kind of rapidly self-healed. So self-healing material, uh, is uh, one idea, right, to to achieve uh, the better mechanical performance, right? Also, like animal tissues, right? The animal tissues is not necessary, can never be damaged. It can be damaged, but it can be healed, right? So, yeah, intelligence is, is a great direction, and uh, it will, uh, it needs to integrate actuation, sensing, and control, etc., so I believe uh, 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 with, the integ- with a judicious integration of the, all the individual elements plus um, the, the uh, smart design, you should be able to achieve a autonomous or intelligent soft robot- robotics. I, I think that is very possible, right? But that does need support from this basic elements, actuation, sensing, control or even some uh, 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 signal uh, transformation, right? This is sig- signal from the transmitted from the control to the actuation part or the sensing will need to transmit the signal from the sensing to the control, etc. right? Those all, uh, uh, this intelligence will be enabled by the development of each individual aspects. Mm-hmm. Great. Maybe I'll ask you maybe two questions for you left, but maybe coming back to the real impact uh, application. W- what thing you imagine could be has a real impact 
in the market. We now have few companies that soft gripper, for example. But do you have an example you think could be mature and really compete in robotics in general? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, still uh, the soft robotics uh, uh, field will impact most is probably the interaction with the human beings. With the interaction with the human beings because it's soft, it's more human friendly, right? The interaction with with uh, between the soft robotics and the human beings become more natural. And of course, the concept of soft soft robotics should be very broad. The this soft robotic can be wearable wearable robotics if you call it robotics, right? And you definitely this is soft wearable robotics will be more. Um, human friendly right mm. rather than wearing a stiff devices right so yeah the interaction the robotics interaction with the human beings is still something i think the software robotic field can make make huge impact huge impact right this yeah this from yeah this is a the belief uh, is my belief at least great Maybe I want to ask you what makes you fulfilled of you of you also if you have any advice who's given to you and stick to mind. What makes you fulfilled and if there's advice you can share? So good question, right? So I need to think about it. Um, yeah, I think uh, there's uh, so many uh, good advices I, I learned from uh, different people. Right from uh, my advisors and from my colleagues uh, around me. So one uh, uh, advice I would like to mention is I think there's one uh, time uh, Professor Jim Rice from Harvard. So yeah, he mentioned to me that it's uh, it's very simple. Just keep your eye widely open. You need to be open-minded. So uh, to welcome the ideas from all the directions. Keep your, uh, never, right, just only working your field, but you need to keep your eye widely open. Get inspiration from other fields and uh, uh, help try to make a contribution, make contributions to solve the problems of, uh, of other fields. Just keep your mind open. I think this is a very good advice for me. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, I have so many, numerous advice from my PhD advisor, Ji Gang Su, when I, when I was a student or after my graduation, right? Small or big advices, right? He, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it always asks questions uh, when we try to start a new project. The two questions I also ask my students now when, they, when we try to identify a problem to work on. So the two questions are uh, what's new and who cares, right? We should be able to answer both questions before uh, we use these two questions to evaluate if this is a good project, a good problem to work on. Right, this is the two questions I always ask all the single students of mine in the lab. I was asked when I was a student. So I think that is a very, uh, it's an excellent approach to, uh, to a simple, 
but yep. efficient approach to judge whether this is a good problem or not. That's really very insightful. And I also, for myself, I consider this advice. Thank you. Uh, Thank I don't you. know if you have yeah. any final words like to say for people listening or for the robotics community. Any final words like to say? No, I think the final words is uh, we will work hard together and we try to we will try our best to collaborate with each other and uh, to push forward this uh, exciting field and uh, also go back to the very first word I said and try to make broader, deeper societal impact. Let's try our best.